0: please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Our congregation's thinking, he means second. No, I mean first. I want us to think about the resurrection. <clears throat> it's easy to get it lost in what we do in life. And I pray that this day, that you understand the resurrection, what it means in the past, what it means in the present, and what does it mean in the future. If you would please pray, and then we'll pick it up with verse 1. Father, we come today as a planet through different time zones, Lord, that are celebrating this day. And Father, the tragedy is so many don't even know what it's for. Father, I pray that we who are called by Your name will have eyes to see and ears to hear. And Father, we'll be overwhelmed, overcome by the resurrection. That Father, as we have already sung Father, we would understand that we have there is no condemnation for we who stand in Christ and that that penalty was paid and the proof is the resurrection. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that in your, your love, your grace, your mercy, and your sovereignty, you took on the veil of humanity. You walked among us That you could pay a penalty that none of us could bear. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray for all who have ears this day. We will live our lives in the power of your resurrection. In Christ's name. Amen. First Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now I made known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you. Which also you received, in which you also stand, by w- which also you were saved, if you hold fast the word which I p- preached to you, unless you believed in vain. let we'll stop right there. What he's talking about is a past event. For many in this room, it's a past event. Some in this room, it has not occurred yet. But it came through what? Preaching. Preaching. I know it seems obsolete. It seems irrelevant. How can you preach? You've got to have special effects. You've got to have bombs and explosions. Then we'll keep your attention. But he says, you received this how? Preaching.
1: And you know what is amazing
0: about that? He hasn't changed his plan. It's still preaching. It is the preaching of the gospel. And and I I am amazed that this day and age, that's gone. We come to celebrate a bunny, a cute egg. Really? I'm a diabetic. I can't have chocolate. This holiday is overrated for me. (laughs) And yet when I look at the resurrection, I look at this holiday of Easter, of uh, The stock market's closed one day. And I look at the church and we get more excited about some guy's birthday in a red suit and a beard because there's more presents. And let me tell you something. That birthday is irrelevant if there's no resurrection. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. In your past, and I pray if not, then today. You received by that preaching. And, and, and when I see this, it says, I preach to you unless I did it in vain. I have been a pastor in this church for 16 years, 17 years as a senior pastor. I've been a part of the leadership of this church for almost 20 years. This is the only church I've ever been in my life that I've ever been a part of. All right. And everybody says, well, that's odd. That never happens. Probably not. But I believe it should happen more. Okay, because if you look at the Bible model, that's sort of how it works. It's kind of a strange idea, isn't it? And and yet when I look at this, I say, what is he telling me here? You have been saved and is it in vain? And I have seen many, many Christians walk away. I cannot, I know more probably by the 10th power who have walked away than those who will stay the course. But what I've learned is I'm not the only one who's noticed that. That's pretty amazing. But yet it's a tragedy. Why? Because it was according to the scriptures. Look what he says in verse three. I deliver to you as of first importance. Do you understand that anytime you look in the Bible and it says first importance, you know what that means? It should be the most important to you or the first importance. OK, and yet I, it's like on Wednesday night we're studying first Timothy and he says first thing. What is that? You pray for the lost. OK, how often do you see that in a church? And you pray for those who are in authority over you. You pray for those who are rulers over you. And yet, do you see that? I don't see people praying for the lost. You know, I see people taking classes on how to share the gospel. Well, let me tell you something. You'll never share the gospel with any power if you don't pray. Because let me tell you something. If you can't pray for the person, I would prefer personally that you just keep your mouth shut. Because prayer stirs the passion. And this is first things first. It was according to the scriptures. What scriptures? Isaiah 53. I can go on and on. Isaiah 53 is one we most know. He was pierced through for our transgressions; He was crushed for our iniquities. And the chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourgings we are healed. All of us are like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned away to his own ways, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, and yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before the shearers. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. As for his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people to whom the stroke was due. The grave was assigned with wicked men and yet with the rich man in his death because he has done no violence. Do we understand that? Do you understand that that was due you? Do you understand that was due me? Do you think that you could pay that price? And yet he did it willingly. He did it as a sheep before the slaughter. He didn't complain. Peter tells us he brought no accusation as he hung on the cross. None. That's amazing. That's amazing. And everybody says, well, that was God. And you know what? God said, I understand your wickedness. And I understand your inability to do anything about it. But the Lord was pleased. Listen to these words. The Lord was pleased to crush him. Putting him to grief. If he would render himself as guilt offering... He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. And for the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish for, of his soul. He will see it and be satisfied. And by the knowledge of the righteous one. My servant will justify the many. As he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great. And he will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sins of many and interceded for the transgressors. That's past. That's past. And you know what? You can sit here today and say, well, is it, is it a myth? Is it just a legend? Is it a story? No. Because it's according to the scriptures. I find that fascinating. Um, it used to be <laughs> Pontius Pilate <laughs> spoke to Jesus and said, What is truth? Today, we say, I don't even care what is truth. I'm in my own little globe and I'll make my truth up as I go. Really? Is that how you're going to live it? I guarantee you, you will come to a bridge in your life at some point that you will have to make a decision. Is it real or isn't it? It's that simple. Somewhere in your life you will be crushed to a position that you've got nothing else to grab a hold of. Some of us in this room have been in that position. Have already done it. We've already seen it. And we said, you know what? There is only one hope. Some of us in this room today may not. May not. You may look at it. Have you ever really thought about it? Resurrection from the dead. Did you ever think about that? Have you ever seen somebody die? Have you ever been to a funeral? I've never seen anybody resurrected, I've got to be honest with you. Never seen it. And yet I believe in it. I was at his tomb. And it was in a <laughs> it was in a place that <laughs> they make an idol or a church or a statue to anything and everything you can ever think of. I mean, you know, they've got the the Church of the Transfiguration. They've got the Church of the Mount of Olives. They got they've got a pillar for Absalom. They worship everything and anything. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. The Wailing Wall, the Western Wall for Israel, right now was nothing but a retaining wall to hold the foundation for what the temple would have set on. They worship there. It's a retaining wall, people. That's all it is. Oh, this is the most holy place. It's a retaining wall, people. It holds back dirt. And yet they line up day in and day out and stick prayers in the cracks because they believe that as long as the prayer request is stuck in the crack of this retaining wall, it goes up to God. Really? Really? We were created to worship. And if you don't believe me, just look around. And yet, according to the scriptures, the one that we should worship is the one who died on yours and my behalf. It's amazing. I was sharing this in our Sunday school this morning. There's only two religions in the world, just two. One says you can make God happy. And it comes in all kinds of forms and different ways of making him happy. And the other says, there's no way unless by my grace you be saved. That's it. And it is according to the scriptures. Sanctify them with truth. Your word is truth. And it was true. He died. Go back to your text. You see here that we have eyewitnesses. It was according to the scriptures that he was buried. I just read 53. You see it. Uh, You can see it in the the picture that is given on Mount Moriah where uh, Abraham's offering up his son. It's a picture. It's scripture saying this is what's coming. Here's what he says. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. According to. To the scriptures, you see that in Isaiah 53. He was raised on the third day. And, and what is amazing about it is, if it stopped right there, I would say, okay. But look at what he does next. He gives you proof for what has happened in the past. What is that proof? He appeared to Cephas, a.k.a. Peter. Then to the twelve. right. So he's got 12 witnesses, 12 eyewitnesses to Jesus Christ standing before him. I was watching something on TV. I don't know. His background noise is what it was. And then all of a sudden they make a statement. You're like, what? I know you guys don't do that, but I do. Um, And it was talking about that it was a myth. The resurrection was a myth. And what had happened was Jesus was put into the tomb and as he was in the tomb, he kind of gained consciousness again and then he rolled the stone away and he walked out and he hung out and he lived his life into his late 60s. What was the tragedy about this? This was an evangelical professor. And I'm thinking to myself right off the bat, you're telling me That somebody runs a spike through the arches of your feet, you're going to walk where? And I don't care about rolling the stone. I just want to see him walk. And yet, that's in the church today. You think about what the church is doing this day for this celebration, and you ask yourself a question, do they understand resurrection? His body got up from the dead. You think about that. I've seen people die. I've been at funerals. I've been a witness to their death. And there's no doubt in your mind when somebody dies. I've never had any problem identifying it. And I'm not a doctor. But you can tell it. You can, there we go. And I've never seen anybody get up. And yet I have been to where his tomb was. I have been to a place that they worship anything and everything that could be concerned with Christianity. And they build a church to anything and everything that you could register as Christianity. And there's one thing that is truly amazing. There is no body. And if you need more proof than that, I got 12 eyewitnesses. That holds up in a court of law. Did you know that? If you got 12 eyeball witnesses to whatever it is, how do you argue with that? But there's more. And after he appeared to more than 500, uh oh, we got 512 witnesses. After he appeared to more than 500 at one time, most of whom remain now, some have fallen asleep. Then he appears to James. Now, this is amazing because he appears to James. What he's referring to there is his brother. You know, little brother. You know, mom always liked you better. Brother, that brother. He was the one who was outside saying, Jesus, why don't you come out of there and quit claiming to be Messiah. You're going to start a problem. Okay, people are going to think you're goofy. Right? Right? If you can sway a relative that you're God incarnate, you're going to win the rest. I have a little brother. He thinks he's God incarnate. I refer to him that he's not, because if he was, why was I born first? He appeared to James, and then he appeared to all the apostles. And at last of all, he appeared to one untimely born. He appeared to me also. Now he appears to an enemy. Think about that. If you go look through it in your cursory and your study of the, crucifixion, the trial and crucifixion and burial of Jesus Christ, it's really funny in a sense. I have a warped sense of humor. But anyway, funny in a sense, he literally uses Jesus' enemies to prove that he is resurrected. Because it was the enemies who sealed the tomb. It was the enemies who were guarding the tomb. It was the enemies that said, He ain't here. We'll have to think of something. For I am the least of the apostles, and I'm not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace... Of God, I am what I am. Stop right there. Now we're moving into the present. Into the present. I am what I am. Do you understand that each of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ this day are exactly what He wants and His plan? What He has you doing is exactly His plan. He will use you according to what His plan is. Did you understand that He doesn't care what your plan is? His plan is more important than yours. I know that hurts your feelings. I know you were created in his image and you think you should have a say here. Knock yourself out. Argue with him. I've tried. All right. I realize I'm not going to win an argument, so I just quit. All right. Do you understand it? In the presence right now. Right now. You live in the power of the resurrection. Do you know right now you're immortal? You can't step out of this place one nanosecond quicker than God says, Come on home. I don't care what your suffering is. I don't care what your heartache is. I don't care what your grief is. You live in the power of the resurrection now. And I look at the church today and I think, How grievous that she works and looks as she looks today. We only live in resurrection power. Top that. What gimmick can you do to outdo that one? I don't understand. My daughter studied in Israel for a semester and everybody says, Well, aren't you afraid that?" You know, Israel and bombs and weird stuff like that. And I said, you know what? If, my, if God wants my daughter blowed up by a bomb, he'll blow her up here. It doesn't really matter. I've traveled many times, very long airplane trips. And they said, well, doesn't that make you nervous? No. Well, what if the plane crashes? If God wants me dead by a plane crash, he'll drop one on me. Do we not understand that? You are only here for his good pleasure. He crucified his son in his own good pleasure. If he will crucify his son for his own good pleasure, where do you stack up? Lord, let me please you. You think about all the things that you and I chase in this life that we think will bring fulfillment and all the accolades that we think we want. And the truth of the matter is, the only one we should ever desire is well done, true and faithful servant. That's amazing. And yet he says, I will only give you eyewitnesses to the resurrection. One of them is an enemy to the resurrection. One of them is a relative to the resurrection. And that should be enough. And yet, what do we do? Well, you don't understand. My car needs tires. You don't understand. I don't have enough money to pay the tuition of my kids' college. You don't understand. I don't have an education. You don't understand. I might get laid off. You don't understand. You don't understand the resurrection. If you lose your job, every other job. How does that compare to the resurrection? Resurrection. Do you understand that? I mean, we want to give it here. Look, I got an Easter egg. Cool. What's it for? By the grace that I am, I am what I am. And his grace towards me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God. Whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. There's that phrase again. It is through preaching that people will believe. Verses 12 through 17, or 12 through 18, he gives a warning. Why? Now, you've got to understand something. The Apostle Paul was 18 months in this church. He was teaching day in and day out to this church. And this church, if you read 1 Corinthians, you realize that they kind of, shall we say, uh, strayed. And he gives them a warning. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there's no resurrection of the dead? I told you that yesterday I heard an evangelical professor say it was a myth and he got out of the tomb by himself and walked around. That's 2010s, brothers and sisters, in case you were missing your calendar. But you know what? He's telling the Corinthians the same thing. And guess what? It's not new. It's not new. There are people. And you know what? If you take the average Christian today, ask yourself a single question about that person. Do they live in the power of the resurrection? You don't seem to me like that person would be noticeable. What could shake that person? What could make that person? Worry. What could cause despair in that person? I mean, you're only going to be resurrected. That's all. Death, where is your sting? Grave. You cannot hold me. That's an interesting thought. Did you ever think about that? So he warns them. How can this happen? You you saying that we were a false witness of God? God told us that there's a resurrection. I mean, that was a great battle that went on between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay, Pharisees believed in life after death. The Sadducees didn't. They believed that God rewarded you in this time. And when you died, poof, you were gone. That's why they were sad, you see. (laughs) (laughs) That's why everybody liked the Pharisees. Why? I like this life after death because I live like a pulper. Beginning in verse 20. You see the theology that is behind the resurrection. Now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death. By the way, this little footnote for you. You, everybody in this room was created in Adam's image. Just for your information. Okay, because you are the seed of. Adam. Okay, so I mean, everybody thinks they look like God anyway. um, For since by man came death by man also came resurrection of the death as in Adam. What does it say? In case you thought maybe I was making that up. When did God die? Okay, just curious. Okay. Also, so also in Christ, all will be made alive. But each in its own order, Christ, the first fruits after those who are in Christ at his coming. And then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom. To God and father. When he has abolished all rule and authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. And that last enemy will be the abolished is death. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. When all things are subjected to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to the one who who has subjected all things to him. It's, it's like this. Let me try to explain it to you. What happens is before the foundations of the earth, the God, the father and God, the son were sitting there having a lemonade and, and the God, the father says, I love you so much that I'm going to give you a bride. And Jesus said, you know what, father, I love you so much. I will make that precious bride, holy and pure as I am. And I'll give her back to you. Father. You know, when I first understood that, I kept thinking, nobody wants us. (laughs) But that's not how it looks. Why? Because he will abolish everything that you and I understand. Read 1 Corinthians 13 at the end of the text there. He says, when the perfect comes, then you will know as you are known. And see, if that don't cause you to scratch your head. I mean, He only knit me in my mother's womb. He knows the hairs of my head. He knows when a sparrow falls. He knows the days of my life here on this planet to the nanosecond, and I'll know Him the same. I don't understand that. I know you can all sit around and say, well, I understand it. Sure you do. Then you'll do just like Isaiah. You'll see him and go, whoa, (laughs) or like Paul and say, whoa, (laughs) or... Any of the rest. Any of the rest. Let me take you to the future things. He wants you and I to understand. That you're in a battle. He told his disciples in the upper room just before he was arrested. He says, understand they will hate you. But the reason is they hated me first. Do you understand that? You know, one of the things that is driving me crazy today is what I hear in the pulpits. Because when I look at the Lord Jesus Christ, when he preached, there were two responses. I want what you've got. Or how do I get you out of my life? Okay, I get into more troubles today over challenge the validity of a person's salvation than spiritual gifts or election or end times or anything like that. But if I say to somebody, you don't look saved. Who? Okay. How can you say that? Well, you don't look saved. When the apostle Paul was going to Damascus, all right, he was going to arrest Christians. He already had a reputation for arresting Christians, right? When he came back from Damascus, he seemed changed. He had become an apostle to the Gentiles. I do not understand how a person can step into an intimate relationship, be invaded by the Holy Spirit, be appointed into the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and they're not be a change. Something has to be noticed there. Well, I you just don't understand. You're right. I don't understand. Why? Because once you enter into that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you now live in the power of the resurrection. And let me tell you, I have seen people come face to face with their mortality, and you can tell that they are not saved. Why do people want you to pray for healing? Do you ever think about that? I thought absent from the body was present with the Lord. And I would want out of this body, why? To be present with the Lord. Where you would know as you are known. Hi, huh, interesting concept, isn't it? And yet I watch people who get the trauma of, uh-oh. And yet, he knows the hairs of my head. He knows when a sparrow falls. He knows the moment of my conception. I'm thinking he might have it under control. And yet in the whole foreground of this is the tomb is empty. He is the first fruits. You know what that means? He's before you. He's before you. And all of those who have ever loved him. Are with him now. With him now. The dean died this week. I loved Vladimir. We had some great philosophical something for others. And when I first got the message, it bothered me. But you know why it bothered me? He got out of this thing before me. Why am I still here? I know you guys are asking the same thing. I want to go to the future. Behold, I tell you a mystery. I like that. I like mysteries. We will not all sleep. Okay, sleep in the New Testament is reference to death. But we will all be changed. In a moment. In a twinkling of an eye. Hmm. At the last Trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. I will have a body (laughs) that is not suited for living here. It is suited for living in heaven. It is suited that it will be able to go from the atmosphere of the planet earth, to the heaven which is on the other side of the universe, on the other side of creation and hang out with God. Okay, and I don't know how far that is, but I know it's a long way. We will all be changed for the perishable will must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. See, I received it in the past. I come to church on Easter Sunday. I celebrate. I go home, eat my chocolate bunny, have me a handful of jelly beans. Hallelujah. It's the past. Okay, but what do I do now? I now live in the power of the resurrection that other people will say he has changed. Why? Because at some point I have to get rid of this carcass. All right, And I have to put on a body that has the ability to stand in the presence of he who knows no sin. There will be a change. I remember, a professor one time told me, he says, well, I think we're all going to be 33-year-old males. What? Well, you know, we will be like him. Bummer. (laughs) But my Bible says we will be as different as the stars of the heaven. But we will have the ability in our physical makeup, physical makeup to stand in the presence of the holiest of God. And I have the ability to transport from one position to the next position without the movement of time. And what in this world can beat that one? What is it you would put effort in chasing other than that? But when this perishable will have put on imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death Where is your victory, O death? Where is your sting? Quotes Hosea 13 14. And there we go back to it is written in the scriptures. The sting of death is sin, the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved. Now he goes back. This is what's coming in the future. And because of what's coming in the future, I want you to be steadfast. I want you to be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. My prayer is that the body of Christ will hear those words. I want to give you another little glimpse of the future. I'm not going to expound this. I just want to read it to you. Okay, I know you're thinking about, what do we do, hams on Christmas or Easter? I don't know. Oh, that's, no, we're not allowed to do that, are we? Yeah, we are. I love being a Gentile. <laughs> well, I do. I want you to think about this because we we live in a a strange age, a very strange age. Um, I I, I can't I can't really understand what the church is doing. It, It defies common sense. I mean, the church is, is more of a place for gathering of people. And I always thought that was like a football game, but evidently I was wrong. And and the, the church is based now on entertainment. The people come to be entertained. and And, and that scares me. Because I've already shown you You received this message in the past. And yet now be steadfast and immovable. And what would be the implication? The message of the past. And yet immovable is the silliest thing you could ever even charge the church with. I mean, it seems to be at best tossed to and fro but we are to be steadfast. We are to be steadfast. Why? Because he's alive. He is risen. And he is the first fruit of the resurrected bodies for all who would ever love him and believe in him will have resurrected bodies. Here's what John says. Then he showed me a river of water, of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God, And of the lamb and in the middle of the street on either side of the river was a tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse and the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it. And his bond servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night and there will no longer be a need for light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them. We will reign forever and ever. And he said these things to me. These words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets sent his angel to show his bond servants the things that must soon take place. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and I saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours, of your brethren, Prophets and of those who heed the Words of this book Worship God He said to me Do not seal up the words of the Prophecy of this book for the time Is near let the one who does wrong still do wrong. And the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter into the gates of the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral person and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you of these things and for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty, come and let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God will take away his part of the tree of life and the holy city, which is written in this book. He who says to these things, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be with them all. That's in the future. Will we walk from this day? And live as that is the focus. Speaking of words of a song, here's the words of a song. You will be given robes of princes. You will be flying on golden wings. And you will live in pavilions of splendor. Be surrounded by beautiful things. So hold to these promises and keep them in your hand. Didn't anyone ever tell you this is your land? Let's pray. Father, death no longer has a sting. Grave does not hold. And yet, Father, we who are called by your name, we rejoice that you have given us your words first to hold firm to, to stand firm, to be steadfast, to be immovable. Father, may we be known for that. Father, I lift your precious bride to you this day from the globe. Father, may she. as a chaste virgin be washed in your word. May the men who are the lampstands who hold this light forth. May they be steadfastly movable to your principles, to your glory, and to your praise. We who are called by your name, Father, may we stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Father, may we with expectance in our heart know that you will exceedingly abundantly be, do beyond what we can think or imagine. And Father, we give you the praise. Father, let us rejoice in all things at all times and being anxious for nothing. And, Father, let us rejoice that you have guarded our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Father, we believed. I pray that for many of us that is not in vain, but that we believe. Father, I pray that our lives will be the reflection of the resurrected life. And, Father, I pray that every one of us that hears this message will hear, well done, true and faithful servants. As we enter into the gates of splendor. To your glory and to your praise. In Christ and Christ alone. Amen.